Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. And today I have finally somebody who can help me against these idiots. Um, <laughs> you're, you're beyond help. No, um, I'm not beyond help. Got my one of my oldest friends in the world, one of my best friends in the world. Dan, how you doing, Dan? Absolutely. Heck, uh, it's always a pleasure. And uh, yes, we go... We we go way back and our, our hockey stories are endless. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely endless. We've played in more we've played on more teams together. We've watched more games together than you can possibly imagine. So uh, right. uh Russ, you're gonna start um start us off today though with uh Russ yeah. something to say. So um a famous baseball trade was made on this day in nineteen seventy one. The Mets traded Nolan Ryan for Jim Fergosi. I heard it from the time I was eight years old until pretty much now. Yeah. Um but over the years I've had conversations with different people about it. Uh, the first one I had a conversation with was Joe Pignatano. He was the Mets uh, bullpen guy. And what he had told me, I sat at a, an event with him, a Met event at a table, and he told me, look, Nolan Ryan was a Texas guy. He just didn't like New York. He he ruined with Seaver. He became friendly. Their wives became friendly, but he never felt comfortable in New York. So he said this was always going to happen. He was surprised it, he lasted that long. So – didn't mean they had to make a bad trade, but they made a bad trade. Now, on the Jim Fergosi side, knowing that he was a Phillies manager, in 93, I was working at a, at a hotel. I was at the Holiday Inn, which was a Hilton before it, right next to Vet Stadium. And so that season, that 93 season, I was there right, right up until the playoffs. So when the baseball season started, a lot of players moved into the hotel, and they literally just lived there, and they would walk over to the Vet. And that's you know pretty much what their existence was. Now, Fergosi and Menke – Dennis Menke, the hitting coach, they lived there full time. So one day, um, you know, Jim Fergosi and I would talk every once in a while, and he knew I was a Met fan. And so he said, one day we're going to talk about the Mets. And I'm like, okay. And so we sat down one day for breakfast, and we started talking about it. And we didn't talk about the trade, but what we talked about is in, in 73, the Mets were in the World Series, and they lost to the A's in, in seven games. But what we talked about was Fergosi's importance to the team and he was telling me, oh, yeah, I was really important with that team. And I was this and I was that. And I'm trying to like, like literally trying to be nice to him because Wayne Garrett was really the third baseman and it wasn't for Gozi. He was more like a bench guy at that point. Uh, but it was an interesting kind of weird kind of conversation where I had to sort of be nice where X not used to that. But I was I was nice to him. And uh <laughs> And it was just one of those things where he, he just basically had this different opinion of himself. And so it was something that I always sort of laughed at. The other weird thing, Eck, this would have been weird because I was up at the time. I was managing that hotel, but I was also up for a job with the Phillies as the ticket manager. And he, well, he's, he's the one who recommended me because he saw the way I ran the front desk and ran everything. I didn't get that job. But just imagine if I would have been still like in the Phillies. Your life would have changed. It would have been different. Have I still would have been a Met fan, though. That would have changed. Into, you might have gone into baseball, though, like more than hockey. Yeah, maybe. You never know. No? Although, yeah. that is still the year that um, at the front desk, the Flyers fan club was there, or a Flyers fan club, and they had a meeting, and they 
I saw somebody who was wearing a button, 1940 forever, and I still have the button. And, <laughs> and I said, how much for that button? And he goes, why? And I'm like, I'm a Ranger fan, and I'm going to break the curse. I bought the button. Next year, they won the Stanley Cup. Wow. So it was that easy. If the Rangers, <laughs> <had> <laughs> then, then Glenn Sather wouldn't have wasted so much money if he just could have bought you the button. That would have been. Yeah. Well, right. if you would have gotten that job, you would have probably been personal friends with Lenny Dykstra and Kurt Schilling. And if that's the case, you would have either owned part of the car wash that he bankrupted or you would have been a member of the of that video company okay. that, that Kurt Schilling bankrupted. So I would not have been friends with Kurt Schilling. I'm going to tell you my <laughs> Kurt Schilling story real quick. Okay. So Kurt Schilling stayed in the hotel and he moved in because his house was being worked on him and his wife. And they brought in two big dogs and we weren't, especially in those days, you weren't allowed to have dogs in the hotel. And they were getting, we were getting, I was getting complaints about them barking and everything else. And so I had told the shillings, you, you've got to do something with your dog. You can't do it. And they went over my head to the general manager. And of course the general manager buckled and said, you could leave them. Fast <laughs> forward to, I left that place. I quit. Um, not because of that. And I'm listening to, Mike and the Mad Dog on the radio one day just driving around and Chris Russo was complaining about the old hotel I used to work in. His two complaints were there were kids running around everywhere making noise. Those were Fogosi's kids and there were dogs barking. Those were Schilling's dogs. So <laughs> when I heard that on the radio, that's funny. I just cracked up and I was just like, it was too much. I, I can't remember the pretext of why I, but uh, Russ had posted something about fake injuries on on Twitter, okay. and I and I, I I put a picture of Kurt Schilling's bloody sock from the O4. <laughs> now the thing I was going to do, and I I, I didn't have the time to do it because I just wanted to get the response up quick. I was going to put, I've got this app on my phone that you can put basically two photos together, and the one photo was going to be a bottle of Heinz ketchup. And the other one was going to be the bloody sock because that's what it was. Yeah, I don't care what anybody oh, yeah. says. This guy was a fake piece of crap, and he's an a-hole of the highest order, and he just by by happenstance played for the Phillies and the Red Sox. Now, X, something you could tell you, X, something you could tell your wife besides you know getting her her first Hanukkah gift tonight is yeah, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. I got. I got. Uh, Dave Grohl and his producer are going to be doing Hanukkah, basically Jewish. Um, songs every night for the next eight nights. It's not really Jewish songs, but it's songs by Jewish artists. They're going to cover. Okay, yeah, them. like I was going to say, they're doing Christmas like, covers, two Hanukkah songs that we know. Yeah, of. Like, yeah. So they're Adam, he's going to do one for each night. Is that no? Who knows what else? So, I, well, I mean, the list he could be doing a Bob Dylan song. Bob Dylan's Jewish. Like he could do Paul Simon. Paul, Paul Simon. Is, Car is Carly Simon Jewish? Carly Simon. Well, no, because she married Paul Simon, right? So that's no, she married James Taylor. But yeah, that no, Carly Simon and Paul Simon are different Simons altogether. Yeah, they don't. Well, they're different Simons. So I'm not sure. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Never knew about that one. By the way, the, one of the weirdest Christmas songs of all time has got to be the Bob Dylan Christmas song. Oh God. You know that one? No. Um, something about the big, the big Santa, big guess at Santa, or oh man, I don't, it's really messed up. If you want to listen to something, it's just, it's Whatever. just. Whatever. Yeah, Bob, Bob is right. Gene Simmons is Jewish. Well, okay. Uh, Neil Diamond, Leonard Cohen, Dylan, yep. Billy Joel, Billy Joel, yeah. Getty, Getty Lee. I'm sure the yep. Dave Grohl will do Getty. Will do. Uh, will do a Rush. He'll song. do a Rush song for sure. Yes, David Lee Roth, uh, Donald Fagan from uh, Steve. Oh, Donald Fagan. I didn't realize that. Okay. Okay. So there's Lenny. Lenny Kravitz. Gritty. 
Yeah, he'll do the ones guitar driven. I could see him doing private before, but he might do Steely Dan. It'd be interesting if he does a Steely Dan song. Yeah, uh, uh, um, uh, Mark Bolin. Who's that? I don't even know who that yeah, is. Uh, T Rex. T Rex. Oh, T Rex. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, all right, let's start the show. Russ Cohen. Um, let's see. All right, all right, moving on. All right, here we go. I'm going to intro. Yes. Then we will introduce that. Uh, I'll introduce my buddy. All right. Hello, Hockey World. It is Thursday, December 10th, which means it's one of my friends. Birthdays, I guess should should call her. Hello, Hockey World. It's Thursday, December tenth, two thousand and twenty. I'm Michael Lagello, and my favorite Jewish musician is not Barry Manilow. I'm Eric Cohen from Sportsology, and I did interview Matthew Schneider once on being inducted into the Jewish Athletes Hall of Fame. It was funny; he loved it. And I'm Eric, and you're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday in the afternoons to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. We specialize here in off seasons because we've had off seasons for. <laughs> Eight of the last eight of the last ten months, um, but <laughs> but um, and never, never, never let it never let it be said that we can't stretch. You can keep talking about hockey all the time, um, and one of the guys who I know more than any other in my life can keep can, can talk hockey all the time as well is joining is joining me today. One of the smartest hockey people I know, and my one of my best friends in my life, uh, Dan Wallace. How you doing, Dan? Excellent, Eck. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> for sure, we got a sort of wild writer for us, so we're going to get into some of the wild stuff too. He's going to defend me again, you know, today in in, in every. No wonder we get to interview Dan when, <laughs> as as Dan would have defended me had I been like slammed, thrown into the boards in one of our many deck hockey days, um, as a goalie, he would be at my back. I told him that Dan. I told me about the story the other day. Do you remember? Do you remember the breakaway where I where I took the kid's head off when I just swung my stick? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Very uncharacteristic <laughs> of, of I got mad, I got mad, though. Very passive, but not, not that day. <laughs> that, was much more, uh, that was much more in your realm, actually. Absolutely. There, there definitely was my MO, for sure. a mullet back then? Did he have a mullet? Of course. Okay. Oh, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dan was <laughs> 17 because his uh, favorite player was, was uh, Wendell Clark. Uh, played there we go another leaf. What is that? What your your favorite players too, Mike? Oh yeah, you and Dan, man, Yankee Wendell Clark. Um, so uh, and yes, you know, yes, and Dan played a lot like Thank Wendell you. Clark. That was Dan's game was Wendell Clark, very Wendell Clark like. So you punched out Ben Wilson? Oh, <laughs> that's a, one of my all time favorite flyers right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, if he only something. had hockey talent, anyhow. <laughs> Dan Ben Wilson had hockey talent. No, he didn't. But what the? Come on! And you're going to tell me Ben Wilson was a good hockey player? Now he was a good hockey player. He had skills, not not without skill. He was a skilled defenseman. I mean, I'm not saying he's an all. He's an all. He wasn't all, very. He scored. He scored one of the biggest goals in that 35 game streak <laughs> that kept the. Streak. Ken, Morrow, right? Ken Morrow scored a goal against the Rangers once, an overtime goal too. Like it happened. <laughs> he, was not, he was way more skilled than Ken Morrow. Was at, way at more play. skilled than Ken Morrow. I don't know yeah. about that. No, I mean, no, offensively. Let's look. I'm not, not more skilled, but he was more offensive than Ken Morrow, for sure. Sure. That's yeah, fair. He, a lot of guys were. I mean, Wilson was making a couple of nice moves a couple times back in the day. Like, he would actually, like, be able to beat guys with stick handling. You know, like, with, from yeah, a Yeah, he had more goals than I thought. I give him credit. Yeah. He was not bad. And he, you know, obviously was a tough guy. And like Dan said, scored yeah. goal. Like, I guess it was, like, game 25 or somewhere around there. The 1-1 the one, one tie against Pittsburgh. Yeah, with a goalie yeah. out. One one tie. Look at this. You got the Wendell Clark jersey back there. 
<laughs> I will say though, he has he has more goals than I remembered. So I'll, I'll, cut him, I'll cut him some slack. Autograph, <laughs> autograph, Wendell Clark. All right. That's so funny. I never I never even put that together, you guys, with the Yankees and Wendell Clark. Um so let me ask Dan before you ask him yeah. So we we were talking the other day, Dan, and Pelly Eklund came up and <clears throat> I wasn't sure, none of us were sure if if he was in the Flyers Hall of Fame and he's not. And so of the next guys that could be in there. I said, so you're trying to tell me, Eck, that you would put in Pelly Eklund over Simone Gagne, and he said yes. So I'm curious as to your take on that. I think you know that's a good comparison. Um, you know, I, I think I would um, because back that those Flyers teams were outstanding. I mean, they were you went to the the, the uh, Cup Finals against Edmonton, and, and that year in '87, I mean, he was the the leader on that team. Um, as far as the, you know, the, the go-to guy, I mean, he, that lifeline with him and him and uh, profit packet um, was, was yeah. mission critical to, to every, all their success. Um, but yeah, it, I, I think that he kind of, uh, you know, it, 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 he was the, he was the one pure scorer um, that they had, you know, um, the, the other guys were still, it was still like kind of, you know, making the transition from the Bruns mm -hmm. to bully bees, you know, at that point. But but Eck has overrated him to the point where he said, if um, what's his name, the the centerman, Tim Kerr was healthy his whole career. Yeah, if Tim Kerr was healthy for his whole career, Pelly Eckman would be a Hall of Famer, and that is such a stretch that I have to see if you're another human that believes that. <laughs> I mean, I can I can understand the argument. Um, if is a if is a tough word. <laughs> yeah, it's a big um, tough word. And it is a stretch. I'm not saying it's like a, he's like a first. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, when they were together. When they were together, they were lethal. And, um, yeah. you know, and even if you, if you gave the Flyers Kerr in, in, in those finals, um, you know, what might have what might have been. Sure. Yeah. Kerr was amazing. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, except, when the, except when the Rangers got him, his back was really bad at that point. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he, if you could imagine in a time when you couldn't like clutch and grab with Tim Kerr, like if Tim Kerr had come out, you know, before with, that, with no two line pass, no clutching and grabbing. You know, oh, no, he'd be a, oh, he'd be hard to People they could just hang on his shoulder. They would just literally try to like dislocate his shoulder on every shift. They were just but he up. couldn't skate that great. So he would have to be like a better skater today. Yeah, he'd have to be a better skater today for sure. Mm -hmm. But for he sure. had his ability around the net. You know, oh, it was great. In tight. Um, you know, I could think of like, you know, I think Javaris has that kind of ability around the net. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but there aren't, there aren't that many players that are that. Esposito you know, had that. He reminded me of Phil Esposito because he was a bigger guy with great hands. Yeah, it's good. Put him around the net, and he was dangerous as hell. Yeah, today, like, um, like Corey Perry, you know, we saw some of those hands like around the net with Corey Perry in the in, in the final in the finals this year in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, Kerr was just Kerr was crazy good. I mean, the, what was the was the five assist game, Dan? Like the uh, where, where Eklund had the five assists in the playoffs against and the, the playoffs Rangers, where, where Kerr scored the four goals in the second period. Yeah, against the Rangers yeah. in that playoff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was the time. I mean, the, the points like that, like people just don't remember. Eklund had such a weird, not not a weird career, but didn't you know they didn't have they didn't have like that like one year. Well, I'm trying to think of his most points he had. It was probably in the '90s, right? I could look it up, but um, yeah, you know, I would guess it's somewhere in that range. Yeah. Well, let me let me bring something Flyers related up yeah. over the last couple of days. It was sort of weird, and because it's not the not the anniversary, but our buddy mm -hmm. our uh, 
our coworker Bill Meltzer posted a picture of the uh, Flyers carrying around the Stanley Cup at the odd in Buffalo in in '75 after they won uh, in Game Six. And then Bernie Perrant on his Twitter feed posted a picture of the famous fog game. It was, just game like, yeah. it was just so weird. Like all of a sudden, like we went in 75 <laughs> references in, 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 the, in the middle of December from, from Bill who, you know, who writes for the flyers as well. But, uh, but Bernie is like posting, that's like probably Ber other than getting poked in the eye. Uh, that was probably Bernie's worst memory as a, as a flyer was, uh, was the fog game. Fog game, yeah. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Um, just looked up here. So Pelly Pelly Eklund, as a rookie, had sixty six had fifty one assists as a rookie. Right, mm -hmm. um, but he didn't win the Calder. You know, he didn't win the Calder. No, that, that was. Yeah, like, I remember he he was in an offensive era. Eighty five, eighty six, but still, for to put up fifty is. I don't think any. I don't know of any Flyers forwards who have have had fifty assists as a rookie. Um, no, you know, I don't know if there's any others. Like Lindros, 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 definitely fifty assists as a rookie. He might have. I'll check. I think he did. I don't think it. Yeah, did. He, he actually might have. He might have. Yeah, maybe. He might have because he 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 ended up with over a hundred points. So. Yeah, um, I mean, his biggest assist season was uh, he had fifty one in eighty five, eighty six. He had fifty one in eighty eight, eighty nine. He had fifty in ninety, ninety one. And those were all like where he, had, he, he played seventy games and and with fifty one assists as rookie. Right. Yeah, they played fewer games. Lindros had thirty four assists as a rookie in yeah. that guy. Then went 51, 53, 41, 68, 47. So, so he's a year off, yeah. Year off, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, a lot, it's a lot for a rookie. Look, he's a good player, but I, I made you the comparison. I said, hey, Ron Duguay was a real good player too, but he's not making any Hall of Fame. And I looked it up, and Duguay torched Eklund compared to numbers-wise. Actually, Eklund did win the Calder as a rookie. He did? No, no, he had five, five votes. Five. I'm sorry, I was looking at this thing wrong. Like, he had five. I, was say, I don't think he did. Sorry, I'm looking at this, and then an alternate year. universe or something. Yeah. Yeah. About him. He had, so had, um, I was in Stratomatic. Yeah, right. <laughs> there were three years Eklund got votes for the Lady Bing, um, and then um, one year in in ninety ninety one, which was probably his best overall overall season as a Flyer. He um he he put up sixty. He only had sixty nine points. Um, so that was the most points he ever had. Um, but he did it in he did it in seventy three games, but was nominated for the lady had, had eleven lady Bing votes and sixteen Selkie votes. Yeah, so, Selkie, like, I could see. Yeah. I remember, and you know that that makes sense to me. But if you remember, he came over as being touted as the Swedish Wayne Gretzky. That was like the whole um, the whole. No, thing. no, 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 negatory. That's not true. That's true. I'm the right Swedish, about that. The Swedish Wayne Gretzky was Kent Nielsen. Was Kent Nielsen? Yeah. Um, who am I? Who am, uh, really? Yeah, yeah he's right. right about that. X. Sorry. Yeah. Not right. he said it, yeah. But he came, you know, he came over. Yeah, that's right. I do remember that now. Sorry about that. Um, he, he did come. He did come over highly touted though, as as an offensive. Yeah. You know, maybe right. he, maybe he was the Swedish Bernie Federko. So to me, <laughs> to me, I mean, I don't know. I think and you guys were comparing him to other players, like you said, Suns. Well, I said Duguay, and then when I looked it up, Duguay had way more numbers than he. I mean, Duguay had a forty goal season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was more of a goal scorer than. Oh, he had more points too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna before I before I make this statement, I'm gonna look up his stats to see if they're comparable. But I'll tell you who's. I, I go ahead, Mike. Sorry, I was gonna say I thought of somebody whose stats might be comparable. Yeah. Um. And his his core years or his good years were about the same five six seasons. But if you remember a guy who played, he actually played for the Flyers for a while, but then went to the Blues. Was Blake Dunlop? 
Blake oh, Dunlop, I remember the name. Yeah, Blake Dunlop was basically a 20-goal scorer with uh, 50 to say, the one year he had 67 assists with the Blues. Um, he was basically, you know, he was, you know, because Eklund is not a big goal scorer. He's in more of an assist first. This guy, two-way player. Um, right. Craig Janney. Yeah, but Janney yeah. was a 100-point guy. I'll give you somebody who I think is comparable, uh, came over from Sweden a little earlier, but had injury problems, Ulf Nielsen. I think mm – -hmm. I think you could look yeah. at, at that and say he probably they probably had similar points because Nielsen missed time in in at least three seasons that I can remember right off the bat. So before yeah. the uh, hot band injury, so that's right. you know he was highly touted. There's no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's, I think it's, I think you know I, oh, I, I like people the guy. And uh, I think Randy had most assists by a Flyers rookie is Dave Poulin. I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, oh, okay. it's funny you said that. I, I was thinking that Poulin had saw, had had a had a big year when he was a rookie. So yes, yeah. I wouldn't have guessed Poulin though. That's an interesting one. That was also with with Kerr. Right? It was Kerr as a rookie, I guess. Poulin was Poulin with Kerr as a rookie. Mm, I don't think so. Right? Because it wasn't Poulin. I'll, I'll check. A year after. Okay. Um, I'll check. I'm, 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 who's Poulin playing with? Getting all those assists? Prop? I guess Prop. Yeah, Prop. Yeah, I think you know, and playing with prop at least because the prop pool and curl line obviously was the big line for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's, well, that's, I appreciate, you know, I think that people just don't, and also like, I think what Dan said, I think really Dan put perspective on it and that was good. Kind of sums it up perfectly in that <laughs> the Flyers didn't have a player like him. Like that was the thing that came over that was really unique about him. Yeah. They hadn't had that kind of player. They weren't, they didn't. Well, they the didn't, NHL didn't have a lot of players like that. Let's be real. True. Until yeah, so the Swedish invasion from the Rangers and then a bunch of guys started coming over, that was great for the league because these right. guys were better at a lot of the little details. They were more exciting. They were better passers than yeah, a lot the, of the other guys. The funny the funny thing is is that it took it took a while for the Swedish invasion to happen. You know, and you gotta remember yeah. Boreas Salming was the first one. Yeah, he came over in '73, and until yeah. really the late '70s, until because a lot of Swedes, you know, Nielsen and Hedberg played for the Winnipeg Jets in the WHA. I think right. it was more until the WHA merger with the NHL in '79. There really wasn't a widespread. Uh, uh, the, I mean, there was there was Salming. They brought Hammerstrom over, and he went back to Sweden because he didn't fit. Uh, uh, I think it was Juha Veding with uh, the with the with the Kings. With the Kings, yes. Yeah, but there yeah. weren't there weren't that many Swedes early on, and then it was mostly in the late. So it took four or five years for the hardheads in the NHL to say, you know, you know, because remember at that point you had you had Don Cherry calling them chicken Swedes. Sure. Uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the Flyers were trying to run Salming out of the league, especially in the 76 and 77 playoffs, until he decided the only way he could defend himself would be to stick somebody's stick in somebody's face. And that right. was the only way. You know, then people would stay away from him because he was known as basically as a swordsman. Yeah. So, you know, that, 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 you know but, but they, they, there was a four or five year gap until they really. Yeah, Tommy Bergman. Somebody says in the chat room, Hawk and Lube was was with the was yeah, Matt Naslin's another great Matt one. But that was those were Naslin and, and Lube were all in the early eighties. I'll tell you right. what Nielsen and Hedberg did for the others though, because I had interviewed both of them for various books, and they really held the Rangers up for cash, like they did. They and I remember when the story broke, and I remember reading it probably in Newsday or the Daily News. It was the first time I could recall hockey players getting touted for having multi-year deals you know multi-year deals for like a hundred grand a year right like right. that was a lot of money back then right 
Oh yeah, no, a ton, a ton of money back then. Yeah, so that's what they really paved the way for that, and they did produce. I mean, obviously, sure. but yeah, if they didn't produce, I kind of wonder what would have happened to the Swedish players in the NHL, though. Well, it was always what well, back then was kind of cool about it is when you had these players coming over from Europe. There really was like more of a mystique about it because you had no idea what they were. Right. Like there was no. You didn't get to watch games. You had YouTube videos of them. They played. They were. They were like. They could have been coming from the, from Mars. You know, like they were completely. It was. It was just cool because what are they like? You knew that they were going to be fast. Usually, well, they were fast. there 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 were a number of stories like that. I remember like the the um, the mysterious first round pick that the Le that the Sabers made in 1981. Scotty Bowman picked uh, a, a kid named Yuri Dudacek, and it was like uh, I think he was Czech. Um, and, uh, you know, these great stats, there's yeah. only one problem. And the, the, obviously the, the, the wall was still up. So getting them, getting them out of the, out of Czechoslovakia was yeah. almost impossible. And the only other problem was his father was a Colonel in the KGB. <laughs> so it was, it was impossible. They were never going to get this. You're never put him out of right now. If you're going to take him in the sixth or seventh round, fine. You get a throwaway pick. Yeah. Um, another one that <laughs> I, I always, I always laugh at is, um, is uh, uh, Miroslav Inacek, the brother mm -hmm. of Peter Inacek. Now, Peter yeah. Inacek was a, was a second-round pick of the, of the Leafs. He did the pick they got from the Flyers for Daryl Sittler. Um, had a good career with the Leafs, and everybody started hearing all this stuff about his younger brother, Miroslav, who I'm, I'm looking up the stats right now, scored 22 goals in the uh, in the Czech league and know oh, oh my god he's gonna be so great and they got and they got him over he comes over and I'm pretty sure he scored two goals in his first NHL game against the Habs and uh it was like Fabian Brunstrom with the Dallas Stars he scores yeah. a hat in his first mm -hmm. game everybody thinks right. the guy is gonna be unbelievable and then he didn't score for 20 straight games and he was nothing yeah like funky is a good point like Hedberg, Nielsen, and and Bobby Hall are all still friends. Like they were all in the WHA. They were amazing. Yeah. Um, like when I say come over, I mean to the NHL. Right. I don't mean from over straight from Sweden. But the one thing that the Swedish athletes did that the Americans didn't that made them, I think, faster and better and different was their bike work. And Nielsen told me that both those guys, him and Hedberg, would ride in the mountains. They would do those kinds of things. Hockey right. players were not doing that for training. Yeah. They right. They were doing other things, and well, they weren't doing that. Well, the other interesting about them too was always was their um their their feet being being a lot better because they grasped yes. so much soccer. And there well, was like, yeah, there I was could a, see that there was a definite soccer element. You know, like I mean, Eklund, you know, one of the players, like you know, Elkerson Sal. I'm thinking about guys the Flyers had to back then, who just like would do incredible things with their skates, like yeah. just incredible moving the puck to their sticks with their skates, different things, like way way more more than you would see, you know, Northern North American players doing it. Go ahead, Mike. Well, ironically, uh, Rick Vive just released a, a book, his autobiography, uh, Scott Morrison uh, from sports, formerly from sports that helped him write it. And he was talking about psalming and yeah. psalming and any athlete that would do this now would basically be excoriated by the media and by the fans. Psalming, like when they would go out to Vancouver on the day of the game in the morning would go to Whistler and ski. He would ski, he would ski all morning, wow. come back, take a shower and then play in the game. And he would do that multiple times a year. You know, I mean, obviously nowadays, you know, you do that, you could risk tearing a knee or whatever, yeah. 
but he was such he was such a ridiculous athlete that he would go out and then he would play 30, 30 minutes a night with with the Leafs. I mean, he was just an amazing, and, and it's a, it's a shame that he never won a Norris because he was yeah. one of the best defensemen. Yeah, he was good. I remember him. I remember the scar. We, one, of my, scar. one of my favorite moments about this, and then we'll move on, but about this kind of thing. He was, was different uh, to watch than a lot of other guys. This this mo yeah it was this moment this moment definitely kind of defines Dan to me too. So um the uh, nineteen eighty I guess it was eighty two Stanley Cup final, uh, the Oilers were one of the the, the, no, the 85, 85 or eighty seven eighty I think it was eighty five. Well, eighty seven was uh, with Flyers Oilers. Yeah, I know where you're going with this. You know where I'm going with it, right? <laughs> so I'm sitting, we're sitting up in our seats, section thirty five there, and uh, Dan's like, oh, I'm really excited to see this guy that the Oilers just brought in. I'm like, they just brought him in. This is like this is the Stanley Cup. <laughs> Final, you know, he's like, Yeah, he's skating on the line, not too bad. He's skating on the line with you know, Gretzky and Curry. That was Dan Ace of Tikanan. <laughs> his his Ace first Tikanan. games are in the, in the, in the finals. <laughs> so, I had never heard of him before. Dan had heard of him. You'd, you'd had at least you know, because you were an Oilers. At that time, I would never have heard of him either. You were an Oilers guy too, so because because you're because you're your love of Gretzky, so you can you knew a little bit about him. More, yeah. more than more than I mean. But, but I mean, that's not like it's not like today where you you know. There's no you have to have read hockey news to know anything about him, honestly. Right, exactly. Right, and you know, but it was just I mean, this this guy, you know, you bring him in. What a start, you know, Stanley Cup Finals. You know, you're on the line with Gretzky and Curry. That's your first NHL game. I mean, I don't think anybody can say that the more ex interesting, exciting way to enter the NHL than Hesse Tikkanen did. Right, that was insane. But um, all right, so let's let's move on to um. To some of the, uh, a little bit of the, um, oh, wait, wait, I'm going to go first. Mike, where do we want to go first here? Because I have a couple. Uh, just just extending on the Pacioretty stuff. Yeah, let's talk about Max, Max Pacioretty. Actually, yeah, one more thing. Yep. Um, because I asked him about it. Do you remember who blew a kiss to Esatikinen in 94? Blew a kiss. On the ice. Would that be um, Theo Fleury? Susan Sarandon. I guess it's No, Theo. it was a player. Who is it? Keith Jones. Keith, huh? <laughs> nice. Keith, I, I thought it had to be a battle of Alberta. I did ask him about that once in the box. It was pretty funny. That's uh, very in the press box. No, okay. So, um, so Max Pacioretty. Well, okay. This is the this is the interesting thing because you know yep. you reported it, and then a lot of other people reported it regarding Pacioretty and yep. uh, so and even Mark Andre Fleury being shopped by uh, the, the Golden Knights. And then apparently Bill Foley, the owner of the of the Golden Knights, goes on Vegas radio and says, "Quote: Patches is not uh, is not being traded or is not a, is not being shopped." And Sorry. now this is the, the you know okay okay we can apply the same rule to owners as you, as we've been talking about for eons about general managers when their when their lips are moving they're lying, but this is the case. Bill Foley, I talked to the, this over with Russ. Bill Foley has definitely been front and center when it comes to, yeah, this guy is out there. Let's go get him. And I yeah. think it's gotten to the point now where it's screwed over George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon because I, I'll, I'll keep saying this: was the acquisition of Alex Petrangelo a good acquisition? Hell yes, because he's one of the best defensemen in the league. But if you're having to trade Nate Schmidt just to shoehorn him onto your roster and now because you didn't trade mark andre Fleury, you're gonna have to trade a guy who scored 35 or 33 goals last year you shouldn't assign uh petrangelo in the first place if this is what you had to do right. yeah i mean dan what are your thoughts on this you know it's it's funny i i, I look at all, all the things that they're doing and and you know i i 
I kind of think that the, that the honeymoon is over for that team. You know, um, they're, they're now just a regular team in the league and they face the same challenges that everybody else faces. They, they, they caught lightning in a bottle with, um, with a lot of those deals that they made um, with teams such as the Wild, trying to protect a player yeah. um, and having to give up uh, more, more value than the one player that they would have lost. And they did right. multiple times. And, and look what it got them. I mean, it, it, it jump-started their, um, their existence. But now they're in a situation where they're just a regular team now and they have to play by their same rules as everybody else. Not that they didn't have to play by them, but they kind of got a, um, an infusion um, of good fortune from the very beginning. And, and, you know, now they've got to deal with, you know, all the things that all the other teams have to deal with. Exactly. And they have an owner who is kind of like the closest thing to an Ed Snyder that we have in the NHL right now. He is. And, and he, he's causing problems. Actually, you know, at the kiss was the other way around. It was Tekin and sending it to Jones because Jones was bothering him. Yeah, that makes, more, that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just was getting it mixed up in my head. I had to look it up to make sure because I wasn't even 100%. Yeah, Essa was a, was a rat of the highest order, so that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but listen, Jones was, you know, he had his moments too, actually. But <laughs> Jones does laugh right, about it. But no, as far as this situation with Foley, I feel bad for McPhee because I think when the market hit, I think it's fair to look at the Vegas Knights and say, hey, what do they need? A linchpin defenseman. Well, they got one, but the problem is now they've whittled away at their at their depth and they're going to lose more of it to stay under the cap. And so that's that's their biggest problem now is they had these guys. They really should have traded them before they signed Petrangelo and Petrangelo. And if they couldn't trade them, they shouldn't have signed them, but they did. So now they're doing it backwards. And well, that's what's hurting them. Well, okay. it's, it's not that's not your situation because you have a guy, an owner who's older, who wants yep. to win. Right. You know, it was like I got to win one more. You know, like I'd, always, I'd had to win one more. Like he had his two Stanley Cups very early. Didn't didn't enjoy them maybe as much as he wanted to because they were so early in his in his time there, and then well, wanted to win more. And with Foley, you've got a guy who is older too, who had also got a taste of you know going to the Stanley Cup Finals, and he's like they're doing the kind of things that the Flyers with Ed Snyder would have done. Like the the Petrangelo signing is a perfect that's an Ed Snyder signing through and through to me. Yeah, but uh, but there's but there's also another dynamic going on yeah. here. I mean, okay, so they signed Petrangelo, and what do they do at this at the same point? They trade Schmidt for a draft pick. They basically right. gave him away. And I said, well, they're de you know they needed to improve their blue line, but that included keeping Schmidt. So sure. now yeah. they've you know they've improved, but not enough, I think, to be a what I consider a Stanley Cup level defense. Then they give away. Uh, a Paul Stosny for uh, I think it was Carl Dahlstrom, who's at best a, a seventh defenseman. So mm -hmm. they gave a, they gave away a guy who was making six and a quarter million dollars, and it was not a, a bad forward. But they had to get rid of him for cap reasons. And now on top of that, they're going to trade a Marcheseau or a, a Pacioretty or find somebody to take Flurry off their hands. The reputation and Brian Burke said this this morning. The reputation that the that the Vegas is getting oh. from the fact that they go out, they trade, they sign Schmidt. He's part of the core group. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury is the MVP of the team. Now all of a sudden they trade Schmidt for nothing. They bring all these other guys in. They now they're trying to trade Fleury. They're undercutting their own credibility. And three agents who see this are going to say, "I'm not going to go there because in two years I could be somewhere else." And not just that. I mean, we talked about McCrimmon was is, is really gotten a bad reputation among other GMs. Like talking to people, they just didn't like the way he handled things. Like he he was really. He was really very jerky about a lot, like a lot of stuff um, in terms of the Mark Andre Fleury stuff, in terms of other stuff too. Um, McCrimmon, I just heard from from GMs like 
three guys and they were telling me about talking to other guys too who said yeah McCrimmon is just a bad guy which is was not really normally fair you would just they just really thought and you don't hear GMs ever say that kind of thing about other GMs ever so they and I think a lot of it is because the pressure is on McCrimmon to do to do so much for so little at times and to Dan's point they have they have literally absolutely taken the honeymoon off by taking away by trading like a lot of the magic and away like basically you know if you're gonna if, if you're you move Schmidt who was one of their big guys in that initial like one of their big time team leaders in that run you're now you you've been shopping mark andre fleury you put mark, mark andre fleury on the bench which i still to me is the baffling thing in the playoffs how they handled that situation was horrendous and he's like basically their captain like you can throw a c on mark andre fleury but that's how much respected on that team you be, and you just screw him out of a job try to trade him openly try to trade him can't trade him and now you're now you're talking about moving march or so like another part of that another part of that initial Vegas like magic or whatever. And Flory yeah. was the face of it. He's the face yeah. of the franchise. He's he the first he's guy no you know, but yeah, he's in no longer. But that's that's that mystique that they had in the magic. It's kill I mean it's it's killing well, the thing. And in well, a lot of ways I, I think hockey, hockey's a bit hockey times has forgot like the emotional aspect of hockey and like how we put together a team that actually likes each other, how much that can mean. You know, it can mean a lot it can mean a lot on the ice. If this were a normal expansion franchise, like Cody Glass would have been the face of the franchise. But now right. because they've they've gotten yeah. so many veterans that yeah. their best first pick is just like another guy until he proves he could play at an all-star level, which he's not really gotten the chance yet. Maybe this year he'll get the chance. But how does he not get a chance on an expansion team? Like you say, Russ, like how does Cody Glass get a chance on an expansion team? Well, I know, but that's like, how backwards this is. You know, but like, I um, – Act to their to 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 the to Vegas's defense, you know, th what they did in that first year was not sustainable. You could not right. Right. expect that team without improvements to 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 go on that kind of run again. So, you know, so adding Pacioretty and trading some of your young assets, adding Stone and trading young assets, those are those are fine. And signing the long contracts, but at a certain point, you need to stop. And just keep those. You got to pay attention to your chemistry at some point. Like there's, right. they didn't pay. There's been no attention to pay to chemistry. This is like a complete, um, you know, like like a fantasy hockey pool type thing. The moves they made have been all about that. You know, like there's no like there's. No, I mean, and also on top of all that, the biggest thing they do in, is in firing Gallant, who is like you know the guy who get the, you know did an unbelievable job there. You're in first place and they fired him. You know, there's just there's certain things to me that they just. They're like, and it feels to me like Foley has like a grass is always greener on the other side type attitude about life. Like, you know, he doesn't realize what he has and he sees what he doesn't have, you know, and it's just like, I'm going to go out there and get Pietrangelo. Yeah, that's great. He's, he's, he's probably like 30% better than Schmidt, but you know, he's still not, it's still like, if you're getting rid of Schmidt, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, you're kind of, you're not improving. I mean, I mean you're improving a little bit. Schmidt's and making Schmidt's making thirty percent more than than, or I mean, sorry, uh, Petrangelo is making thirty percent more than Schmidt, and so right, you got it's the same thing. And you know, at the end of the day, like, what if what have you what have you done? And you know, I think that and and people in my some of my Blues friends and stuff like that, people I talk about in St. Louis, they're like, yeah, Petrangelo is a great defenseman, but but nowhere near worth the money they signed him for. They're like, even here, like say, right. you know, we're capped and everything like that. But there were times before. I, I think I've told you this, but like the guy who runs our website. Um, not runs a website, but a developer website, website, Chris in St. Louis. And I, 
I was going back with my text with Chris. Like I texted him and I face I, I FaceTimed him from the ice of the Stanley Cup. You know, when his team was Stanley Cup, I was FaceTiming him walking around and just kind of giving them a feel of what it would be like to walk on the ice, which I thought was really cool. And I was looking back at my text like like a couple months before that. And it's like, can we please trade Petrangelo already? That's what it that this you know, <laughs> back in February and January. That's what they were saying. You know, and that's well, like that crazy thing. In Dece- in November of 2018, when St. Louis was last place in the uh, in the Western Conference before they made their big run. They were talking about trading Petrangelo to Toronto for William Nylander, who was holding out. And I mean, how would that have changed? I mean, I don't think St. Louis would have won the Stanley Cup uh, with Nylander, but you know, I think he would have been a good addition. And I don't know if the what, what, if yeah. the Leafs would have won, but that's the what if. But they kept him, and then they called up Bennington, and his you know, it's history. But I mean, they won the cup. I, you know what I mean? Like, I get what Vegas was looking at. Nate Schmidt was was really overplaying his hand because they forced him to in the role he was playing. Right? That really isn't playing to his talent or strengths. And with Petrangelo, he's a lot like Ryan Suter. You could count on him for the minutes. You're going to get some points. You're not going to get amazing offense out of him, but you're going to get some physicality, and he calms down everything on the ice. So, you know, those are all good things. It's just Vegas just – they. the problem with Vegas is when they sign contracts, and, again, I will hold McPhee a little bit accountable to this, they always seem to pay their guys the maximum – that they could ever earn right out of the gate. Like Marcia So, you would never pay Marcia So any more than he's making right now. And it just seems like that's what they do with these guys, and then it gets them in trouble. Well, I would hope I would hope uh, that they that uh, Peter DeBoer does not uh, go and try to put like a number one pair of him and Theodore together because that pair would have to play 30 minutes a night every night for them. Yeah. They should split them up and have yeah, – they should. Angelo playing with like Braden McNabb or or with Alec Martinez and and yeah, I think you put him with Mar- Martinez. I think you put McNabb on the second one. You've got White Cloud who could play on your third pair. Yeah. It's a much better defense than it was. It is and it is. No, and there's no question. But they haven't really. I mean, I guess I mean they haven't really lost because they've been giving up too many goals. This is not like the team that. I mean, that's not necessarily no. But they were relying. I tell you what, they did lose on. They were relying on goal scoring that didn't happen for them. So, like, you know, Pacioretty expected goals. If you want to use that stupid stat, expected goals in the playoffs, they didn't yeah. get them. So now I think they're trying to cut down the amount of goals they give up. All right, so places Pacioretty could go. And that's, like, that's what I've been trying to look into, like, the last couple of days here. And uh, it's hard to find because, first of all, um, everyone says that, you know, either, you know, Vegas going to have to hold on to, like, $2 million in salaries to make this happen that he's not, they're not going to be able to move him for what? Cause he's like a $7 million player. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So well, I'll give you one place that was always rumored. Uh, I don't know now if they have the appetite for it, but he was always rumored to go to the Rangers. He's a Connecticut guy. Mm-hmm. And, but I don't know if Gordon wants a player of his age now. Now, clearly if you put him with some of their talent, he's going to get more points than he's been getting in Vegas. That's obvious. Cause Max Pacioretty can still score. But they definitely would need him, need Vegas to eat some of the salary. And for what they'd have to give up, I don't know if the Rangers would really do that. Well, um, I, I can't remember who it was that was offering this as a, as a, a destination that made sense. But Columbus would make a lot of sense because Pacioretty can play both yeah. ends of the ice. Yeah. And, and they were talking about basically the fact that um, – uh, Mike Hoffman might not be a good fit for Columbus because he's essentially a one-way player, and and 
And uh, right. Tortorella will never never uh, give the thumbs up to signing Mike Hoffman in Columbus because he'd be right. But Pacioretty as a veteran guy would be able to fit in, give him the goals. And but but again, the seven million dollar salary. I don't know whether Yarmo Kekalina would want to take that. Full- I don't think they want to spend any more money. I don't even think they want Hoffman anymore. Like I I think Columbus is going into the season with what they've got. I really well, do. Well, I, think, I kind of think that too. Um, but to, to, to finish on this thought, I heard Boston as a, as a possibility. And um, now, if that's if that's the case, then you know that would be they have to do something to make it happen for five million dollars. Um, Florida is another possibility. Florida does need to pick up some offense for sure. Um, you know, they've 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 just they're losing Hoffman, Dadnov, you know, and just not not gaining anything from it. Um, right. You know, so if think, you if you trade Pacioretty and keep a couple million bucks, would they get Owen Tippett? Yeah, they probably could, but I don't know if in this era they're even going to do that because Pacioretty's not fast. Right. Yeah. Neither, what about what about Nashville too? Though? Nashville, yeah, is another another. It's funny because he fits into Nashville's like. Oh God! They, they need to stay away from Nashville. Like, they need to stop doing this. <laughs> and that's one of the sticky scores. Like every one of their scores is just like this. This will be another one because because Patrick can go in half. Real- when they go to Nashville, just cut the scoring <laughs> in half. Figure out a way not to let them go all cold, cold at the same time. That's like the issue in Nashville. It's like it's it's, it's the like, hot it's the hot chicken, Russ. It limits them from being. I wanted to talk to Dan a second about the Wild too because the um they were one of the things that McCrimmon was screwing around with was. Billy Guerin um, and you know Mark Andre Fleury. That was something. And at the end of the day, you end up with Tad and and then I haven't talked to you about this. I wanted to talk about it. the idea that they kind of knight him as the starter immediately. They they say him. I mean, they, they sign him for three point six million. That's that's fine. That's a reasonable contract. Sure. He's like a he's like a one A goalie, right? He's not like a yeah. starter, but he's he's going to be a starter. But Stalock, who was very good for you guys, that to me is, is bizarre to me that they come in and they just say they tell Tabit he's going to be the starter, and that they did they have to do that? I mean, there was there was so many goalies out there. What do you your thoughts? Yeah, you know, it, it was interesting. Um, and like you said, there was a lot of goalies out there, um, but I think that in in the wild situation, um, basically, you're. They got rid of Dubnik. Dubnik was making four million, so you you got a little right. bit of a reduction in in cost for your goalie. Um, right. I think it's more of a stopgap. Um, obviously, the, the Wild are really not. Um, if they contend for anything this year, it, it's, it, it's by, by more um, good fortune than, than actually the plan. Um, so, I mean, they're never going to tell you that they're doing anything other than competing because they've got some big contracts that they've got a, you know, sure. um, and an owner who's who's very um, into winning and you know putting beats uh, butts in the seats and and uh, right. you know. The, the best product. So, um, but they're, they're trying to piecemeal some things together. And I think that this is a good example of that. Um, you know, the three years is more my question. Um, you know, I, w- I would have rather seen a two year um, and given Kakinen a better shot at, at, yeah. um, you know, at the, at the position. Um, right. you know, Steelock, yeah, he did, he did a nice job of stepping up. However, he's, he showed you in, in that short, uh, you know, play-in series that he, he's not the guy. When it comes to 
you know, yeah. handing the reins to him. He just can't handle that. He's he's a great guy that you can leave him on the bench for two weeks and he comes in and gives you a great effort. And right. the players love playing for him. He's a great locker room guy. He's a great teammate. Um, he, he, he does what you want. He's a perfect backup. Um, yeah. And, you know, makes <laughs> basically the minimum. So, you right. know, he, he, he's yeah. a perfect fit there. Um, so anointing, you know, Talbot the starter, I understand where they're going with that. But I, I think that Kakanen should be given every opportunity um, to, to get uh, you know, to earn that spot. Well, Dan, I wanted to ask you about this because looking at their situation, they, you know, they have three goaltenders under contract going into the expansion draft. And if, I, and if I'm Garen, I'm protecting Kakanen and I'm right. exposing Talbot and, and Staylock because yeah. – Absolutely. He's the youngest one of the three, but the, the situation that I see as even more dire for them is you've got three defensemen that you have to protect because they all have no move clauses. And the one that uh, either, unless you go eight players and one, uh, eight skaters and one goalie, uh, you're exposing Matt Dumba because he's yeah. going to trade Dumba this year. They well, will. I, they, they're either going to trade Dumba or I think that they go the eight skaters route because if you look at at the at the players that they have to protect, um, you know, you're, it's it's not as dire. Um, you know, yes, they, they could be leaving out, uh, you know, an Erickson Eck, uh, but most likely they're going to protect him. Um, so I think that that's really the, the better way that they're going to go and protect all four of those defense if they don't move Dumba. Yeah, you know, obviously that's been a, you know, been the talk. But I think that they're not going to move Dumba unless they can get what they really want for him. There's no reason. You know what, to- Dan? I think, I think now um, when you go into the deadline, I think he's going to, Garen's going to settle and get what he can get for Dumba. Sure. I, I because again, I don't, I, I don't think they really want to protect him. Even though I like Matt Dumba, I think. He, he'll pull a decent price still on the market. I still sure. think that that's the route they're going to go because I don't think he really wants to protect them. And right. I think he said all the right things about Dumba because Dumba is a great guy. He right. just wants to get rid of Dumba's salary, honestly. The, the, right. the question is, is what what do they want for him? Do they if they want a if they want a number one center, they're not going to get. You have to see now. what the market is. Like we can't even go. I can't even tell you, Mike, because what what would have been traded for two years ago is not what's going to get traded for now. So I don't know. Right. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And and again, the, the number one center, you know, yeah, who, who's out there trading a number one center? They just don't. That just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, but it it like uh, like Russ said, it's, it really comes down to what the market's gonna gonna bear for him. Yeah. And yeah, I think right. Talbot buys time for Cadenham because even though he did well with the games that he played up with the big club, he didn't play. He hasn't played more than a full season of pro, from what I remember. And so. Why not give him another season anyhow? Well, yeah, they, well this, was, this was his second year over here. Um, but the one thing that, that stuck out with me with, with Kakinen was his moxie. Um, he, he really showed that he had a, a ton of confidence. And I'll, I'll tell you a, a particular play in his, in his second game, um, the Wild were up, I think, just a goal. And I can't remember who they were playing against, but they pulled the goal away and they dumped the puck in and he jumped out and fired it at the empty net. And I was like – Oh, that takes some brass ones right there. Your second game, you know, in, in, in the league, you're, you're doing that. So, um, and it, but I, I do like his his moxie, and and it is kind of interesting when when he played his first preseason game um, under Boudreau, and he got lit up uh, like right away. The first couple shots went in, and and uh, Boudreau kind of gave him a little uh, you know uh, lip service quick, and and uh, he really settled down. So, 
Well, but I think that he's got he's got the kind of their fire in the belly. That yeah, um, he's only played like thirty nine games and thirty four games, so it would be good for him to get a little more experience. Is like, going to be an NHL for him? I mean, like, what are we looking at? I mean, like, where are we put him? He's not going to get a lot of time in the NHL, like right. Mike said, because there's all those goalies. So I, I think if the AHL does happen this year, let him get another thirty games, and then if you see Talbot sagging you know, towards the playoff stretch, then you know what? You got a guy you can bring up. And they're, they're talking about a 40-some-odd 40, 40 uh, game AHL season from right. February to mid, the middle of May. So, um, I mean, that that's the plan right now, but we'll, it, plans can change. But, Dan, l- let, me, let me ask you this, though, because I, I wrote a, a preview about the, the, the Wild, and I, lo- I looked at, at the changes that they made. And, you know, I understand the, the want of a culture change, uh, with Garen there, uh, sure. but I didn't perceive Eric Stahl as being a problem in the locker room. He's never been that, and I think they got robbed on that deal because Mar- I saw Marcus Johansson play for over a year at the Sabers. He was terrible. He was ill-fitted at center. I, I they, supposedly they're going to use him at center, and I, I don't think that's that's a good deal. Uh, Benino is a more veteran player, but I like Cunnan's talent. So I, I didn't think they got the the the, uh, the advantage there. Uh, Bukestad is a good roll of the dice. I, I like him as a player, and if he can stay healthy, that's good. I mean, yeah. the only move that they made that I really liked was finally getting Kaprizov from the KHL. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Kaprizov is is obviously the the X factor that you know everyone here has been waiting for. Um, so it, you know, we can't wait to see what he can do. Um, obviously, the the, the Kevin Fiala um, blossoming too. Yeah. Um, has, has flown under a lot of a lot of radar, but um, you know he's one of the the hottest players um, you know in the league, uh, the second half of the year and and even into the playoffs that the that they had. Um, but yeah, you, you're exactly right. I mean, Eric Stahl, I think was just a um, that move wasn't really. I think it was to change the, the the feeling in in the locker room. Obviously, they can't move Suter or, or Parisi. They, they tried to move Parisi at the, at the deadline, yeah. um, but. I think it's it's trying to get those younger guys to to step up. They had, they had tried that before with that other core of the with Zucker and Niederreiter and, and Granlin and, and those guys, and it didn't work. And and they've they've jettisoned them all out. Um, so yeah, I think it's now trying to turn the room over to the next generation of wild um, players. And I think that that was part of part of moving Stall there. Um, and and obviously this was going to be his his last year anyway. Um, yeah, so, Eric Stahl's a big, big personality. Eric Stahl's a big personality in the room. I mean, yeah. You know, you know, if you're a young guy, you're not. You might, you might be less apt to talk up. You know about something if Eric Stahl's sitting next to you, like you're saying. I mean, you know what it is, though. I think, I think after he got Eric Stahl, I think Garen recognized an aging star when he saw an aging star, and now that he's a GM, realized okay, I'll take the benefit of him for a while, like you said in the locker room. But at the end, I don't want to be stuck with him. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, I well, think, and he 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 had Benino as a, when he was assistant GM of the Penguins, so he knows the yeah. character of Benino. So yeah. I understand that move, and maybe Cunning, you know, they they were going to be forced to pay him because he's an RFA. They yeah. were definitely going to have to pay. They were going to have to pay him, and I think that that the that the X factor there is is actually the draft pick um, in in uh, Kuzminov that they that they made with that draft pick that they got. All right, um, so I think that they're. Um, that that's a that's an X factor for him in that deal, um, and I think that you know Benino too. I I think I wrote it um, when they made that trade was 
you know, one of the things that I think of Benino too, that, you know, hey, the while being out of it at, at trade deadline time, they might move Benino too. So I'm sorry, I can tell Dan something for Kuzninov, yeah. who I can never pronounce his name. And Igor Larianov the other day, I spoke to him about him because he played so well in the Karjala Cup, uh, winning faceoffs, doing a lot of little things besides the offense. He's only 5'9", mm -hmm. but he's a really good player. Larianov loves him, Dan, to the point where when I do write about him, you're going to be surprised what what Larianov's plans are for this guy. So he's definitely an X factor in that. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that was really the, the move there. And that combined with Cunning's, Cunning's um, having to get paid. Yeah. yeah and, and also, I mean, not just all, but you also Mika Koivu, another big, big, big presence in that room is gone. Exactly. Uh, and that's, those are two of them, and, you know, really respected guys. Um, and, you know, and I think, but I think both in playoff games, like we, whether they were real or not, they were NHL playoff games. And so yeah. you got to give Garen credit here. Like he has, he has turned around the ship while he's doing this while in progress. And he's right. doing a pretty good job. at mm -hmm. right. What he does is really, from what I've heard at least about that room is, you know, that they, they, they came off of a couple GMs that were, that were like a little bit like, you know, suitsy kind of guys, you know, like, you know, like, you know, really like start like, you know, Fletcher is, 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 you know, quiet, quiet suit type guy, you know, Garrett's a hockey player through and through, right? And he's a hockey, and he, I mean, he's a hockey player first and, and he's still a hockey player in his mind. Like he would, you know, he would, if someone said, you got to play, we got an injury, he would, he would lace him up and he would play. Um, and he's got such an, he's got such a presence in both as an NHL player, you know, winning with Penguins like that. And as a, and in hockey America, where he's such a huge person in the U S for USA hockey. Right. That, um, that there's just so much respect that what he's done is he's finally given that team. It feels like a little bit of like, you know, uh, extra like anger and edge to their game. And, yeah. and along with having a better time playing, like just enjoying what they're doing more, you know, which I think, I think the seriousness of the wild and not having ever gotten past a certain spot, Dan feels like, you know, that that's so intense that in the playoffs, they haven't had that success that he's the kind of guy who can get in there and say, who cares what, you know, who cares? Like what you're just going to play. Right. Well, one other thing is that, you know, in a cap crunch world, next year they're going to have, because of expiring contracts, over $15 million in empty cap space yes. with, with Johansson, Bonino, Felino, Bukestad, Paterin, you know, all these guys, that's $15 million. And I don't know if other than maybe Bonino at a lower amount or for maybe Felino, I don't know if they're, they're going to sign any of those other guys. So yeah. that's going to a changeover but yeah, i'm telling you yeah i'll tell you what the wild will do they after the world juniors i don't know what lundell's salary deal is with liga but he's got 20 points in 17 games he's going to come out of the world juniors as one of the best guys if they're able to bring him over they're going to bring him over that's my feeling and i would put him right in the nhl lineup i'd put him as a second or third line center and i would never look back and I think that's what could happen, but I don't know what Liga's situation is. Mike, do you remember if they were one of the ones? I know Alska. Oh. Yes, yeah, no. so I don't remember what their situation is, but if guys can leave there, I think Lundell will leave there. And uh, well, I don't. I'm I'm checking to see whether he signed his ELC with uh, with Florida. If he did, then then more than likely he would come over for training camp. Um, yeah, I think Florida will have him in camp. I do. No, he okay. did not. He did not sign his ELC, so he's staying over there. For oh, he's staying there. I thought they would have signed him. Okay, interesting. 
Um, World Juniors, there'll be some guys that come over though. Yeah. Zuccarello, what were your thoughts on that, Dan? How did that work out? Um, I, I, the signing was it was not the greatest because of the length of term. I mean, that yeah, five right. years is. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm I love Zuccarello. I think he's a he's he's a winner. Um, he, yeah. he steps up big in, in big games. Um, though the, it was except he disappeared came come the you know that short series that they had with yeah. Vancouver. He was, he was non-existent. Um. You know, I, I don't know. Obviously, he's he's going to miss the the beginning part now with the with the arm uh, surgery he had a nerve nerve surgery. So uh, it's going to open up a door for somebody to, to step in there. But yeah. hopefully, he can come back and and show some signs of what he was um, when he first came back after that trade to Dallas. <clears throat> yeah, you know, the year before because he he looked like the real deal. Um, you know, and, we had and, fifteen uh, goals. Like you could get yeah. twenty goals out of him. Yeah, and, and you know, he, and he's more of a playmaker kind of guy too. Yes. So um, that if they can just get you know him the right in the right situation, uh, was he getting power play time? I'm sorry, what was that? Was he getting power play time because he's awfully good on the power play? People forget he was, and then he got moved to the second power play, and then and then shifted off of there. But, okay. um, but you know, he 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 found he started out on on you know in the top six, and then he worked his way down to the you know, to the third line and, and they really had a trouble finding a spot for him last year. So if he can, you know, work his way into, you know, a regular, uh, you know, regular line and, and contribute. Yeah. I mean, he, he brings a lot to the table. I mean, he's a, he's a guy that plays with an edge. He's obviously not a big guy, but um, he's a great playmaker. And some of the passes that he makes, you just, you're like, wow, how did he see that guy? Oh, yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. That's awesome. Um, all right. What else have we, we got to get going pretty soon here. Um, the um, the only other thing I would talk about is um, I, I mentioned today again um, Philippe Daniel, um rumors that are out there. Uh, I like Philippe Daniel, mm-hmm. um, and I'm kind of was kind of surprised to see to see this. He's he's a, he's paid this year. He's a UFA next year, um, and I thought Montreal was just going to get that done, but apparently they're having such a hard time getting it done that they're starting to talk to other teams about moving him. Um, thoughts on Daniel? I don't think they'll move him. I think he's too good on faceoffs, and I think they need yeah. him too, too much. By the way, you know, I got—I was getting Lundell mixed up with Rossi. Rossi, I think, will come yeah. over. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think Rossi gets the every opportunity. opportunity. I think he gets every opportunity to make the team. Yeah, because he did sign the yeah. ELC. I was getting that screwed yeah, up. He did. Him, right? He absolutely yeah. did. And yeah, yeah. But Eck, uh, I think they need to know. I don't. I mean, I, do. I, do I, I get that they there's trade value there, and maybe they don't want to give him a new deal because he has a new deal coming after this year, right? Right. Yeah. yeah, he's going to be and um, especially with their aspirations of making the playoffs in the Canadian division, and them, you know, I mean, obviously you've got Suzuki coming off the really good playoffs, and Kotkaniemi as your probably as your one-two, but Dano as the matchup center, as the as the defensive center with winning faceoffs. Yeah. Um, I think what they're trying to do is get him to take a hometown discount, and the way the guy has played the last couple of years, you just simply you're going sorry, uh, sorry. Uh, Bergeron, you're gonna have to pay the guy. You're gonna have to pay, right? And he deserves it. Yeah, he yeah. does deserve it. He's actually been way better than advertised. He, I think, he's getting better every year. Yeah, he is, and he he knows it. I think his agent knows it, and and Montreal is trying to, you know, Montreal's hoping that you know this contract to come one year earlier. You know, because they, they they know that another year of him he's gonna be that much better. They're gonna be and they're gonna be up for that much more money, and I think that's why they're starting to either. I mean, and sometimes, you know, you just, you hear these rumors are come out right before the guy signs, you know, like this feels like it could be one of those things where it's like, okay, we're, we're, we're getting, we, we need to get Daniel, we need to 
make him realize we're serious. We could maybe move him. So maybe we can trade him. So see if Daniel wants to stay in Montreal, which I think he does. So you know what, Ekdo? I think Bergevin's losing ground on trying to keep guys cheaply. Uh, now that you know they have made the playoffs and they have gotten a little better, I think that's over. And I think that's why this is this is happening because I think their top players now are are, are going to want to get paid market well, value because he's been signing guys under market value the last few years. Well, and it's all it's also this, Russ. When you go out and you're not to paying your guys money, and then you go out and you trade for Josh Anderson and give him seven million. Right. Seven, times 5.5 million right. and signed right. to fully the guys who are there are saying what the what the f what's going on yeah, yeah completely that that is absolutely that's absolutely the case um all right uh to all the time we have for today dan so great seeing you so great to have yeah. you on gotta do, this more I do this more often get on a regular basis so much fun for sure um and uh yeah so we'll be back again tomorrow um for, and we'll see. I mean, we're at some point where we're going to have some news involving the return to play. At some point, we're going to hear, you know, and I, it could be, could be today, it could be tomorrow, but I think before the weekend, we're going to definitely see it. And um, but, for, but until then, remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. We will talk. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.